Welcome to Every Quarter, the voice of Andover, Phillips Academy's official podcast where we share the compelling stories and ideas of our faculty, alumni, students, and distinguished campus guests. Our monthly show features candid conversations on current events, academia, and Andover's connection to important matters happening around the world. If you like what we do, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, and while you're there, leave us a review, comment, and rating. Your feedback helps promote every quarter and helps us tell the type of stories you want to hear. 2020 marks the 100th year anniversary of the 19th Amendment, and yet still voting and voters' rights remains one of the most vital issues facing our democracy. As a newly appointed Mellon Schleitzinger Fellow at the Radcliffe Institute for Advanced Study at Harvard, Kareen Field is looking at the intersectionality between this historical milestone and women in America by exploring the closely intertwined roots of race and age segregation in American feminism. Field is an assistant professor of women, gender, and sexuality at the University of Virginia and is a member of Andover's class of 1983. Please enjoy the special edition of Every Quarter, captured during Reunion Weekend 2018. Want to tell us a little bit about, uh, we can start with maybe the, the breaking news, because I know we actually wrote about this in one of our publications, but your Radcliffe appointment. Right, so tell well, us a little bit about that. Uh, next year, I'm going to be at the Radcliffe Institute for Advanced Study. I'll be one of 50 fellows there at the Radcliffe Institute. I'm working on a book that looks at issues of age in the 19th century U.S. I'm interested in what the political significance of age was, particularly for women who were trying to claim new rights and opportunities at the time. How does that, is that part of um, sort of a flow of what you've written from in the past? Um, yes, age it in America? is. Yes, um, my, I've okay. become very interested in age as a historical category, the way that age functions in politics. I think we're familiar with the idea that people get political rights when they become adults, but also what happens to middle-aged and older women as they try to run for office or assume political power or claim identity as a national leader, a lot of which happens when people are middle-aged and old. So I ideas about aging intersect with ideas about political power in ways that are of interest to me. And Andover definitely shaped that. I was in um, Tony Rotundo and Kathy Dalton's first gender studies class, and then the way life works out, my daughter Thea Rossman was in their last gender history class here. So I feel like uh, my family bookended <laughs> their, their time here, and I've stayed in touch with both of them, and they were such a formative influence on what I've done, as was Jean Amster when she was here, who taught my History 35 class uh, back in the day and really ignited my interest in history here. That's excellent. And mm -hmm. so it was it a straight trajectory for you to go into no, um, teaching? No, not at all. Okay. Well, let's <laughs> so, talk about that weaving yeah, journey. After college, what? Uh, so I worked in public television for a while and then found that what really interested me about that was the details of the research. And so I went back to graduate school mm -hmm. and then had three children in graduate school, so it took me longer to get through than it does most people, but um, I'm now teaching, I'm an assistant professor of gender studies at UVA, and um, really enjoy teaching in a gender studies program, 
and I'm thrilled to be on the UVA faculty. That's great. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that, um, the topics that came up is our, sometimes we have themes for the year at Andover, and this past academic year we just wrapped up our theme of citizenship, what it means to be a citizen in the broadest sense. Mm -hmm. It wasn't meant to be a political statement necessarily, mm -hmm. it was sort of meant to, like, what are your obligations as a member of this community, your hometowns, this broader country, um, and so just really taking that in the widest sense possible. And knowing that you've talked about age and citizenship, and um, and so can you talk a little bit about those two terms for you and how those um, resonate? Sure, absolutely, and I think two things interest me about 19th century women's rights activists who I write about. and. First of all, I'm very interested in the ways in which they thought about citizenship as a category that unfolded not only in public life, like in politics with a capital P, but also very much in households and romantic relationships, parenting. They saw private life as very politicized and part of what it meant to be a citizen. So they were really connecting public and private in ways that I think are beginning to happen now in our culture. Some of the Me Too movement is really trying to look at how very private issues play out in women's public careers. And I think that's real progress that people are having those conversations. But in the 19th century, they were having those conversations in very bold and interesting ways. Uh, and then the other thing that interests me right now is in 2020, it will be the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment when women um, were no longer barred from voting. And uh, one of the projects I'll be working on at Radcliffe is to help the Schlesinger Library on the History of Women think through how we conceive of the meaning of the vote for women. And working with other scholars there, one of the really important conversations to have is about the ways in which the vote remains such a vital issue. Like you may hear phrases like, women won the right to vote in 1920, but nobody has a right to vote. What happened was we got a constitutional amendment that said you couldn't use sex to bar people from voting. But after 1920, most African American women in the South could not vote. If you're in Virginia now and you have a felony record, you can't vote, which has led to a huge amount of disenfranchisement. Students at UVA are being disenfranchised by new voter ID laws and requirements that they re-register every time they move. So our voting rights are very precarious right now in the United States, um, and I think one of the things that this anniversary allows us to do is to to think about the vote as an ongoing vital issue. And you know, I think the what happens with Congress in 2018 is a, is a turnout issue. You know, it's who sees voting as important as part of their identity. Um, and I think those are really important conversations to have around citizenship. For sure, and, yeah. and timely, as you point out as well, too. Do those topics um, bleed into the classwork that you do and the courses that you teach? Um, are those sure. topical in that way? Uh, yes, absolutely. So I have um, taught some wonderful classes looking at um, the ways that uh, women have conceived of citizenship in the past. Um, I'm very interested in, as I said, these public-private issues. and. Some of the work I've been doing recently in partnership with Lakeisha Simmons, who's at the University of Michigan, is thinking through um, black girl citizenship and the ways in which black girls globally and in the United States have made claims to citizenship that really require us to think broadly about what citizenship means. 
uh, and that's been really interesting work to do with undergraduates. Uh, last year we did an exhibit with materials um, in the UVA archives trying to find traces of black girls' uh, citizenship, identity uh, in the archives, and that was really a marvelous class. Mm -hmm. yeah. And what have you found about working with um, you know, the 20-something generation in terms of bringing these issues to light? Are they immediately leaping to present day and making connections? Or, um, you know, I, I can imagine that they're applying sort of a different lens. And, um, and so what do you learn from them? in terms of that applies to you as a, as a professor? So I just asked the students in my Black Girlhood Seminars, what's the most important thing you learned? And almost all of them um, who are very well read, incredibly knowledgeable, really creative students, so many of them said, you know, we were deprived of this history. We were deprived of our own history for so long. Why did it take me to be a senior or a junior in college before I could take a class that focused on the history of black girls. Um, you know, never learned this, never been able to really study this for, for many of them. And that, that I think, is um, what's passing as history at a lot of high schools right now is, is troubling. And I think, you know, Andover hopefully is doing a much better job. But I think for many people who come into college, they've never really been able to think about history in the kind of critical ways so there's just a lot a lot to learn it's a very fun field to teach um, so much to do thinking about the connection back back here to the brace center for gender yes. studies and back to to tony and kathy rotundo and um i'm wondering if well so the brace center would not have been here when you were a student but did you follow their work through the brace center over the years absolutely and your reaction to yes. that and the Brace Fellows have been such a wonderful uh, addition to the campus. And I'm excited that Brace and Camdy are working more closely together. You know, I think building those bridges is so important. And I think the legacy of Abbott seems more centered at events like this than it was uh, when I was a young alumna, and that's great to see. Yeah, good. Well, this is this has been a lovely conversation. I think this is what we had hoped for, just to kind of get a glimpse into your world, your research, and I know there'll be more to come. When do you begin the, the Radcliffe appointment? September 5th, counting okay. the days. <laughs> we will yes. keep in touch, but thank right. you for joining us on Every Quarter today. Thank, thank you, you so much. <laughs> Every Quarter is produced by the Office of Communication at Phillips Academy in Andover and made possible by a grant from the Abbott Academy Fund, continuing Abbott's tradition of boldness, innovation, and caring. Like what you've heard? Spread the word. Share EQ with friends and connect with us using the hashtag EveryQuarterPodcast. You can also find us at podcast.andover.edu. Thanks for listening. I'm Jesse Wallner.